The Christian race is not jog, but rather the demanding and grueling, sometimes agonizing race. And it takes a massive effort to finish strong. Jesus' best work was his final work, and his strongest step was his last step. Jesus is our example. He endured. He could have quit, but he didn't. Therefore, let us run as he did, fixing our eyes on him. Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. We've been in a series called Strong Church, and I'm excited to welcome my dad, Pastor Dave Ansel, to the platform to bring part three of this amazing sermon. Before I hand over the mic, I just have to say we're sad that you betrayed us and went to Scottsdale, and he's, you're leading Dream City Church, Scottsdale, and, but you still oversee all of the California campuses right here, and then also in Whittier as well, and so it's a joy to have you in the house, and I wish mom was here, but she'll be here next time, and... Until then, we get you and... Just kidding, I love you. (laughs) Love Matt. I love Hillary. I love this church. I love what God has done, Uh, especially since we've become Dream City. To see what God has done in this house and faces people that I haven't met, uh, it's a joy to be here. And uh, I was thinking about, while I was standing there worshiping along with you, the the phrase came to my mind of remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Uh, In other words, this day is a day set apart for God, and that's what you've done. And as you honor the Lord that way, he begins to bless you and honor you, and I see what God has done through your leadership. The greatest joy of a Christian parent is watching their kids serve God. The greater joy in watching your kids serve God is watching their kids serve God. It's the greatest joy of my life, so proud as a dad. In fact, if you ask me what is the greatest blessing in my life, it truly is that legacy to watch that happen in both of our boys. And they married two wonderful girls. I'm not separately married two, but individually married one. That made two, let me clarify. And. Um, and then have their three children each, and to watch those kids now passionately worship God, I can only, I can only imagine what the next generation is gonna bring because I always prayed, God, take, take our children deeper and further than we were ever able to go, and now to watch my grandchildren now go even deeper than that, that is the greatest blessing in all the world. Money couldn't buy, what, and I don't have any, so I couldn't buy it if I wanted it, but uh, you understand what I'm saying. And I, I love your, your campus pastors. I love their heart for ministry, their heart for family, their heart for God. Would you just show some love to Pastor Matt and Hillary? Love them so very, very much. Pastor Luke and Angel send their love as well as senior pastors of Dream City, watching over all of our churches really across the country. And then 
our dream centers and all the outreaches literally around the world, what God is doing. We're ready to launch two brand new churches in the Indian reservations of Arizona, which is a dream and a passion of our, our senior pastor, Pastor Luke. And they're launching Easter Sunday when I hear that you all are launching your third service. And so if that's news to you, surprise. And, uh, but we need everybody to really participate and begin to serve and help reach this community for the glory of God. The only way it happens is through the people of God. I know I'm taking a few moments to do some introductory remarks, but I don't get this opportunity very often, and it really truly is a joy. Next week is a big weekend here. In fact, in Scottsdale as well, we're preaching the same message title that is happening here, The Return of the Gods, is an illustrated sermon, but it'll be a message that helps set the tone for what is happening in our country today. I mean, even people that are far from God look out in our world today and say, this is, this is insane what is happening. This is beyond just crazy, this is diabolical. And so The Return of the Gods is from a book uh, from Jonathan Kahn, who wrote a book talking about the kind of the underworld, the the, the, the world that you do not see, the demonic influences that are in our world and the return of the gods is the same gods that were ruling, trying to rule the world. And even in Jerusalem, they're trying to rule the world of Baal and Moloch and all these different entities that wanted people to worship them instead of the true and living God. So come next week, do not come alone because if you bring somebody with you, there's a great likelihood that they're gonna receive Christ on that day and it's so well worth it. Well, that's all for the introductory remarks. We love you all so much, but uh, we're in this series called Strong Church and just so that you know, it's happening across all of our campuses and God is moving in a powerful way. Today, I wanna talk to you on the subject of strong in overcoming. Strong in overcoming. So my wife loves dogs, okay? Let me start that way. And I've, I seem to always have a dog story because I, I have empathy for animals. I have empathy for dogs. I ended up loving our dogs, but I don't love dogs the way my wife loves dogs. I mean, she lets them lick her on the face and you know, the whole deal. And I think she licks them back. I don't know, but it's weird. <laughs> All right, there's that level, and then there's a level of I give them water and I pet them, and, uh, and, and so we have one dog and when we moved to Arizona, and my wife says, I think, I think that Mac needs a friend, because, and I said, now listen, Tracy, I, I, now we have one dog, we're not home a lot, we're gone a lot, I don't think it's right, she said, that's my point need some company when we're away. And so I shot myself in the foot. And the next thing I know, we have this little puppy. It's a Labradoodle. It's cute. I mean, I won't, I'll get you. Her name is Molly. And she got this. And, but I had said, I said, now listen, I don't think we ought to get a dog. In fact, I'm the man of the house. I put my foot down and it's a hard nose, sister. And next thing I know, she brought the dog in the house and I was out. Okay, so... Uh, so we have this dog named Molly. And in Arizona, there's all kinds of wildlife that I'm not used to because, you know, we have coyotes here and we hear them occasionally, but there's not a lot of, it's people that are the wildlife here in this area, right? And, uh, but, but there, you know, you hear the howling of the coyotes, you have javelina, you have, but I didn't, I didn't, didn't think about the fact that we let the dog out to go, you know, do its business and just a little, little tiny puppy out in the backyard. 
And Molly's just out there doing her business and just oblivious to the world around her because we're watching over her. But then we saw two huge owls that are part of this whole community where we live. They've been there for a long time, apparently, I've been told. But they're looking down, one from a chimney and one from a post, and they're looking down at that little nugget of beef. (laughs) And Molly had no idea that she had an enemy. She had no idea that there, there were perpetrators, there were people, there were things that were looking to take action on her and prowl on her and take her out in a moment's notice. She was oblivious that she had an enemy. That dog had an enemy and didn't even realize it. This is what I know about the Christian life. There's a lot of Christians that go to church on Sunday that have no idea that they have an enemy that is looking to pounce on their lives. Thank God we have a God that watches over us, everybody. It's good news. This is what I know about our enemy. He's bigger than us, he's smarter than us, and he's stronger than us. This enemy never sleeps. 24-7, he's trying to figure out ways that he can pounce. First Peter chapter five says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. In a season that we live in today, when I say season, an era, we are living in a wicked generation. We are living in a dark world. If you haven't noticed it yet, it's time to wake up and be alert because there's some Christians that are still sleepwalking during this season that we are in a spiritual war. You don't have to look far to see that there is an enemy in our world. Now, the enemy that we fight against, you can't see, you can't tangibly go to, you can't, you can't, but, but there is an enemy. In fact, Ephesians tells us our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We have an enemy. Now, it appears to me that the weapons of our warfare are being unleashed more now than I've ever seen in my lifetime. And the weapon of the warfare today that I've seen more than ever in my lifetime is a psychological warfare. Why is it that people, and there's an epidemic of anxiety in our world today. Why is it that there's so great confusion in the world today that we don't know the difference between a boy and a girl? Why is the confusion? I'm gonna go there today, everybody. I love you, but it's time to open our eyes to the confusion that is in the world today. It's confusing, and it shouldn't be that confusing. It's a battle of the mind. If the devil can win the mind, he can win the battle, everybody. Now you say to me, Dave, well, it sounds like you're a bit intense. Well, I'll go back home here after Sunday and you can have a little breather. But here's what the Bible says. And it's no surprise to me that when Jesus was explaining the greatest commandment, the question was asked, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment in all the commandments? And what did Jesus say? He said, here's the greatest commandment. Don't forget it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and say it with me, your mind. We serve God from our mind. You know, when it says serve God with all of your mind, we understand with all of your heart, with all your passion, serve him with all your soul, everything within you, let it praise the Lord. But have you ever thought about serving the Lord with your whole mind? Not giving the devil a place to occupy even parts of your mind? 
not allowing the enemy to come in and take away the word of God and the truth of God's word in your mind. We are living in an age of confusion and this confusion causes people to go off the rails. In fact, the scripture says, without a vision, the people go unrestrained. They just take off all restraints. They just go wild. They lose their mind. The abandonment of truth what do you mean by truth, Dave? I mean, when I'm talking about truth, there's only, there's only one standard of truth. People walk around today because they're so, so confused. They say, well, you have your truth and I have my truth. And if that's your truth, then that's good. That's your truth. Well, there's only one truth and it's the word of God. He's the way, the truth and the life. There's no other way to the father except through him. I'm just telling you that this is the standard rule for all of living and for a clear mind in this world in which we live. That's why we have gender confusion or spiritual confusion or marriage confusion or family confusion, all because an epidemic of confused minds. And the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians, God is not an author of confusion, but of peace. So if you're missing peace in your mind, in, in, your, in, your, in your life, then perhaps you're missing God in the center of your life. Now, I'm not here to point fingers at you. You may be here today and you're visiting. You say, well, this, is, this sounds you know, a little bit you know, harsh or a little bit narrow-minded, friend. I'm not trying to be narrow-minded. I'm just trying to be the guy who sends the message that was already written that the way to eternal life is narrow and broad is the way to destroy. There's a lot of other ways to think, but there's only one way to think to find eternal life and to find the peace of God in your life. So if you want peace in your life, look to Jesus. He's the door. He's the way through. He's the way to find it. So the scripture continues to go on and we realize that we have an enemy. Now, John chapter eight tells us that the nemesis is none other than Satan himself. Now, if Satan is our enemy, there was a joke in the eighties. I mean, that's a long time ago, but I remember uh, it was Saturday night Live. Well, could it be Satan? How many of you remember that? Raise your hand. Raise that old hand of yours. All right, yeah. In other words, they're just mocking that the devil's under every rock and people are crazy. You know, Christians are crazy because they think the devil's everywhere that they go. But here's the truth. I, I think that some people can get so kind of out of their minds about, you know, the spiritual darkness and all this sort of thing. But, but really, you know, if you just throw it all out, then you're gonna miss what's really working in the world today, what's really pulling the strings in our world today. The Bible says that we need to know how he works and we need to know that we're in a war because if you don't realize that you're in a war or who it is you're in a war against, you can never win the battle. And before I even get into this message any further, let me just say this, that the devil is a defeated foe, that you are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who gives you strength. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. So I'm not trying to prop up the devil like he's this great thing. He's a created being. He's not an equal to God and he's subjected to the authority of Jesus Christ. And if you're a born again believer, he has no authority over your life. But we are in a fight. And here's some things that you need to know about your enemy. Here's some truths, some characteristics about your enemy. Number one, he's a liar. You need to know that. Some of you know a liar. Don't look at him right now, but you know one, all right? John chapter eight, verse 43 says, why can't you understand what I'm saying, Jesus said. 
I'll tell you why. It's because you are prevented from doing so for you are children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. Now let's close in prayer. Wasn't it great to be in church, right? (laughs) He was a murderer from the beginning and a hater of truth. There is not an iota of truth in him. When he lies, it is perfectly normal for he is the father of liars. And so when I tell the truth, Jesus said, you just naturally don't believe it. Anyone whose father is God listens gladly to the words of God. And since you don't, it proves you aren't his children. Wow, you talk about strong words from Jesus. It's okay to be strong, everybody. It's okay to be clear in our messaging so that we understand that Jesus spoke this way to people so that, so that he can set them free. You will know the truth and the truth will, what? Set you free. Well, what's the truth? Well, the truth is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. In the beginning, God, God came down in the flesh, right, and dwelt among us. Jesus is the Word. So as followers of Jesus, we're called to be people who seek the truth, who speak the truth, and who walk in the truth. But the Bible tells us the devil is constantly trying to enlist people to reject the truth and exchange the truth of God's word for a lie. Isaiah 14 tells us at the beginning about the fall of Lucifer who became Satan. How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you have been cut to the ground. And it just goes on where Satan would say, where Lucifer was saying, I will be like the most high. I, 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 will, I, I will have the worship of, the, of those that are in the heaven. I will be like God. And since this time, since his fall, he wanted man to fall with him. And that takes us all the way back to Genesis where God creates man. And he creates woman, he creates man in his likeness, creates woman to come alongside, to be one with him, takes him from the rib. And he said, the two shall become one. And what God has put together, let no one tear apart. But here comes the devil. And the Bible says this, you may freely eat. He gives the instruction to Adam in this great garden of Eden. It was a perfect place. It's, it's what, where you get your imagery of what heaven will be like someday. It was a perfect place. There was no sin. There was no brokenness. There were no tears. There was no cancer. There was no confusion. There was no guilt. There was no shame. It was a perfect place that God created. But God put a tree, put several trees, but two of the trees that he mentioned, he mentioned the tree of, of, uh, of life and he mentioned the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he said to Adam, he said, you can eat of any of the trees, but do not touch this one. Now God gives clear instruction because the moment that you eat of this one, it is the knowledge of good, of good and evil. Now we have in our arsenal as people today, technology, that allows us to know information in a moment. In fact, I have in my pocket, I have what is known as an iPhone, an Apple phone. Kind of interesting to me that there's a bite taken out of the Apple, isn't it? Now, before all of you, you know, whatever you have, what are the other, huh? Samsung, if you have a Samsung, see there, I told you that's why I don't buy Apple because it's the devil, it's the Antichrist. There's a Google tree too, not just an Apple tree. There's a Siri tree too. Hey Siri, what is, and then you get your information. 
It's the knowledge of good and evil. And by the way, you can't trust everything that is on this thing that gives you the information because there, there are mixed up people putting the truth together. It's their truth. So we have this information and if we know that the devil is a liar and we need to be constantly fact-checking how we are thinking according to this download, the truth. We need to be people who understand when the devil is lying to us. Let me give you another characteristics of the devil. He's a deceiver. Some Christians may say, well, I need to study more about the devil and demons and the supernatural. And I've always held the belief, no, you don't. You need to spend more time in the truth and you'll, you'll spot a counterfeit a mile away. Jesus said, you will know the truth. You will know God and that will set you free. Knowing the truth, by the way, is not quoting the truth. Knowing the truth isn't knowing the Bible. Knowing the truth is trusting the truth. Let me tell you what knowing the truth is. It's living the truth. It's doing the truth. It's stepping in the truth. It's working out the truth in your life. It's when it's contrary to what you wanna do, but you read it and you know this is the way you ought to do, and you live it because you know it's truth. Truth is when you start doing what you disagree with because God said to do it and your life begins to change, he gives you the fruit and the, and the blessing of walking in the truth. That's truth. That's understanding that you've been living under a lie and a deception trying to get it on your own when God has something great for you anyway. It's the truth that you walk out that will guide your life into what Jesus refers to as an abundant life. So if you're a Christian... You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you that is there to help you walk in the truth. Now there's a verse in 1 John 2.20, I won't read it, but it just basically says that anointing or the Holy Spirit in you is real. It's not counterfeit. Just as it has taught you, remain in him. Keep walking in the truth. Stay in the truth. The Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth. But the devil is constantly walking and kind of peddling knockoffs to you and to me. Early, early days, I mean, it's probably now 25 years ago, uh, we were in Ohio and uh, we went to New York City. I'd only been to New York City one time and that was then. We drove in and uh, it's, a, you know, the, the city that never sleeps and people are, it's crazy. It's just like Long Beach, okay? So, um, <laughs> And so we're walking around and, and there's a guy that is walking around and he starts trying to sell me a Rolex watch. The guy didn't know what he had. And he's going around and he says, hey man, and he says, 100 bucks. Man, 100 bucks for a Rolex, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this guy down. I paid 50 bucks, the guy didn't know what he had. So I got this brand new Rolex. And you all know where this is going. I mean, I knew it wasn't real, but it didn't matter to me because I was gonna go back to church and just say, hey man. <laughs> Preachers and sneakers, no, this was, uh, this, was, this was something different. And we're driving home and our alignment in our car was off a little bit. And I remember it because my hand was shaking on the steering wheel as we were driving back home to Ohio and the minute hand fell off of my watch. <laughs> You know, so I knew that I had been given a knockoff. I knew it already, but I couldn't even make it back to church to brag about it, you know? <laughs> but that's how the devil works. 
He tries to give you something on the cheap. And he says, it's fast and it'll give you satisfaction now. And I'll give you pleasure now. But the end thereof is brokenness. The end thereof is destruction. The Bible tells us his whole mission is to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, my mission is to come to give you life and give that to you more abundantly. So the Bible says he is shrewd. Uh, the shrewdest of all wild animals in Genesis 3, 1 and 2, the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? What did Satan do? You gotta know how he works. He tries to create a thought in Eve that gets her to think away from what God actually said. And it's so close to what God said, it sounds like the truth, but it's deception. And it's deception because all it is to do is to drop a seed of doubt that God has what is best for her in mind. In other words, what he's saying is God's trying to hold something back from you. You ever hear the devil whisper that kind of thing to you? Why am I not blessed? Look at so-and-so, they're so blessed. I wonder if it's me. I don't even think I wanna keep going to that church anymore. I mean, they don't even appreciate me. Did you notice they walked by and didn't even shake my hand? You ever have those thoughts where you feel like, what does my money giving to the church even matter? This place is just in it for the money. Ever have those thoughts? Ever have those thoughts just drop in your mind that I don't even think my husband loves me anymore. I don't think my wife loves me anymore. I, I don't think I'm gonna serve God anymore. I know these two have that all the time. I'm working with them in counseling on the side. The money's not good, so I'm gonna quit. No. <laughs> Here's the truth. Whoever controls the narrative of your life dictates, dictates the destiny of your life. And so that's what the devil was trying to do. And the moment she takes that bite from that apple, thinking that God was holding something back from her, it was the bite felt around the world. And the dominoes began to fall. Spiritually fallen, physically fallen, emotionally fallen, relationally fallen, mentally fallen, Fear and shame were not emotions they ever knew before, but they felt it on that day. And they go into hiding away from God. He planted in the mind of Eve, and she saw that the tree was good for food, a delight to the eyes, and it would make one wise. And then death enters the world. You know, the strategy has been there all along, deception and indoctrination of lies. Now, I want you to catch this, and I'm gonna to begin to wind this down here in just a moment, but I need you to catch this, that the enemy is always at work, and he has a network. He has a group that he works with, and there are levels to demonic influence that you need to be aware of. First Timothy 4.1 says, the Spirit clearly says that in later times, the last days, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. I mean, we see the advertisements all the time on TV for cellular networks. And you see that they paint, you know, the whole, you know, nation with red or whatever and say, our network is the greatest network. There is no spotty areas. You're always going to be connected because our network is the strongest. Well, just like cellular phones, just like, how we are connected all throughout the world with things that we cannot see, the devil has his network. 
And you need to understand that about his network because the Bible says there are demons, there are deceiving spirits, and they are indoctrinating the minds of people all over the earth. So you have the devil, you have deceiving spirits, you have demons, and you have people. And people will say, well, they're good people. They're honest, tax-paying people. They really are. They do good deeds. And all that may be true. But they also have been influenced by doctrines of demons. And they've gone to the graduate education course. And they downloaded the information. And they exchanged the truth of God's word for a lie. And now their mind is being used as a weapon, even in our school systems, everybody. I'm telling you, there are people indoctrinated by doctrines of demons that are teachers in our schools, that are in our government, that are on TV in our networks, that are on social platforms, that are singing the greatest songs that people listen to today. And you're saying, Dave, that's too hardcore. But I'm telling you, if you don't see it and if you don't believe it, friends, just look in our world today and they may be innocently going about thinking that they're indoctrinating the truth when they come in as a drag queen in an elementary school to read curriculum to our children, but I'm telling you, they have believed a lie. They are living a lie. And they may be sincere in what they're doing, but I'm just simply telling you that the blinders on their eyes does not allow them to see that they're a puppet on a string. I'm just telling you, friends. Now, I know I made you uncomfortable, but I wanna remind you, I love you. And I care enough to tell you the truth that if you don't see what's going on in our world today, and I'm not just pointing a finger and saying, sinner, sinner, sinner. I'm saying people need to be born again. And just like I was walking around as a 17-year-old young man with blinders on my eyes that I could not see, that I was believing a lie until Jesus came into my life and he set me free and I could finally see what God wanted me to see, that he loves me, he has a purpose for my life, and that he wants this world to be saved through his son, Jesus Christ. He came to this world for the sinner. He came for the straight and the gay and the confused and the way that that we get forgiveness is the same way as anybody else in this world. You come to the foot of the cross and you say, Lord Jesus, save me. I'm just speaking the truth here because we are people that are called to be overcomers. If the devil can control the mind, he can control the person. The greatest concern in my lifetime right now looking out are what people are believing. We're taking kids out of the public school and putting them in Christian school because it's become so bad. It's always been my belief, be light, be salt. I sent our kids into public school to be light, to be salt, because the world needs Jesus. But I tell you, anymore I'm looking at things and it's time to start our own Christian schools so that people, so that our young people have their minds developed in the things that really matter and in the truth of God's word. Back to Eve for a moment. She can enjoy and partake of any tree in the garden except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the devil begins to put the question mark in her mind. Has God truly said? For the first time in her life, she got negative. She was never negative. But now all of a sudden, everything is negative. You know, by the way, negativity and complaining is listening to a doctrine of demons. 
It's getting in your mind something that is not true and starting to think that God doesn't wanna bless your life. I wanna tell you, God wants you to be prospering even as your soul prospers. That's what the word of God says. The children of Israel were stuck on spin cycle for 40 years because they believed a lie and got negative with God and said, I don't think we're ever gonna get in that promised land. And what God do? He kept the door shut and he kept them in spin cycle and they were so confused because they couldn't get their heart right and put their trust in God. Her thinking excluded God from the equation and she finally just said, I'll just take it for myself. If God's not gonna give it to me, I'm gonna go get it myself. I'm my own woman. I don't care what Adam thinks. I don't care what God thinks. And she cuts off God as she cuts off that fruit and she takes a bite. And and the deceiver got her. Trap, checkmate. The Bible calls that kind of mindset a stronghold. Now, maybe you're here today and we all have it, by the way. We have certain strongholds in our mind. It could be the way we were raised in the family. It could be some belief systems that somebody said to you that you still believe, but it's a lie and it's become a stronghold. And what God has to say about you is all written in that book. And by the way, the Bible says, I have a future for you and it is for good and not for evil, to bless you and prosper you and to do a great work in your life. That's the truth of God's word. He hasn't forgotten you. He didn't lose your address. He hears your prayers. He knows your heart. And you are a child of the most high God. He still forgives. He still heals. He still restores. And he still works in our life. And that stronghold that is in your mind, the Bible says that you gotta take down those strongholds and pull them down every day in your life and every argument that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Pull it down, wrestle it down, don't let it win because those little thoughts are not little thoughts, they're seeds of deception from the enemy. And what is it for? To keep you from God's best in your life. God wants to bless you tremendously. There's no doubt in my mind. So he's a liar, he's a deceiver, and he's an accuser. And I gotta wrap this up. Now, friends, when I say that he's an accuser, the Bible says that he is before God day and night, 24-7, making accusations against the people of God. Now, imagine this. When you're talking about an accuser, you're talking about a court scene. God is the great judge. But the devil goes into the judge and he wants to use legal, spiritual legal tones with God to trap you in a place of condemnation. And if he can get you there, in fact, he's there day and night saying, you know what Dave did today? You know, he had this thought, he lusted, he had this thought, he had this negative, you know, kind of pattern of thinking that was going on in his life. Did you see what he did there? He got angry, you know, he lost his school. And all of that is true. And so if he's there before God and he's making these accusations about me, that's a court scene. He has legal right to bring the law into into the courtroom and say, according to the law, Dave has broken the law, so he must be punished. Well, that would be just the end of the world for all of us if it weren't for Jesus, everybody. Isn't it good to know that Jesus is in the courtroom with you? I mean, you're not even there. The devil's there standing. And the Bible tells us, and there's a great story, and I can't even tell the story like I can read the story as it is written in Zechariah chapter three. Here's a courtroom scene. Take a look. 
Then the angel showed me in a vision, Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan was there too. At the angel's right hand, accusing Joshua of many things. Now Joshua is a much greater leader than I would ever be, so I'm in good company here. And the Lord said to Satan, I reject your accusations, Satan. Yes, I, the Lord, for I have decided to be merciful to Jerusalem. I rebuke you. I have decreed mercy to Joshua and his nation. They are like a burning stick pulled out of the fire. And Joshua's clothing was filthy as he stood before the angel of the Lord. Then the angel said to the other standing there, remove his filthy clothing and turning to Joshua, he said, see, I have taken away your sins and now I'm giving you these fine clothes. Then the angel of the Lord spoke very solemnly to Joshua and said, the Lord Almighty declares, if you will follow the paths I set for you and do all that I tell you to do, then I will put you in charge of my temple to keep it holy. And I will let you walk in and out of my presence with these angels. And after that, the Lord Almighty declares, you will all live in peace and prosperity. How many of you think that's a great word from God? I'm gonna ask the team to begin to lead us here in a moment. Courtroom scene. When Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and me, the Bible says the veil in the temple was ripped in two from top to bottom giving us access to the Father because of the finished work of the cross through Jesus Christ. So in other words, when we go to God in prayer, the Bible says that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We're not coming in on our own. We're coming in on a price that was paid that we can never pay in a thousand lifetimes. So when God said this about Joshua before the days of Christ on the cross, imagine how powerful it is today that God decided mercy on Joshua He took off the old dirty garments and he said, that's not my kid. You don't paint my kid in this light. Get him a a robe and put it on him. Take off those filthy garments, his past, and all those accusations that you just poured onto onto my son. And he's in my presence now and I'm the authority on what gets forgiven and what gets punished. And I say mercy to Joshua. Well, guess what? We are beyond mercy, everybody. We're into a grace area, which is greater than mercy. So when we come to God and we ask God to forgive us and cleanse us, he puts a robe on us so we can stand before God as his sons and as his daughters so that we can make a request known to God. And whatever we pray, as we pray for our children, as we pray for our friends to come to Christ, and as we, we're not gonna let those seeds of doubt come in our mind. Oh, God can never answer my prayer because I made these mistakes. No, you've got a robe of righteousness. You've got a brand new new suit on. You're a son. Let's stand to our feet. You are a daughter of God. And let me remind you of one more thing about the devil. He's a loser, everybody. He's an accuser, but he's a loser. How do you overcome him? The Bible tells us in Revelation. You overcome him through the blood of the lamb, the word of your testimony, and an all-out commitment to God. How are you going to overcome the devil? You just walk in the righteousness of God and you receive the free gift of salvation. You receive that cleansing blood from Jesus Christ. What is you overcoming by the blood of the lamb? Well, you receive Christ. You, you acknowledge, I need Jesus in my life. How do you overcome him? The word of your testimony. What's that all about? It means you go out and you tell your story wherever you go. 
People say, I don't know enough about the Bible. You don't need a doctorate degree to tell others about what Jesus did in your life. Just go tell your story and you will overcome the devil in your life. People can refute doctrine all day long, but they can't refute your story. So you go out and you share the love of Jesus and you just get all in for the things of God. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your people today. I thank you for your love for each and every one of us. And Lord, I pray for those that are not walking with you right now, but they want to. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, I need Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior, I'm gonna invite you when I count to three to just raise your hand all over this house and say, I'm gonna make a commitment to God today. I need his forgiveness. I wanna walk with Jesus. I wanna be born again. I wanna be a Christian. If that's you in this house, when I say three, raise your hand. I wanna pray with you. One, two, three. Put it up right now if that's you. I see hands going up across this wonderful congregation. It's wonderful. And you can put them down. Let's all pray this out loud and strong, everybody. Lord Jesus, the best I know how. Come on, everybody. I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sin and be the Lord of my life. I confess I'm a sinner in need of your grace. I confess Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe in my heart God raised Jesus from the dead. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Change me from the inside out and give me the power to live for you. I'm a child of God in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Put your hands together and welcome people into the house of God. Now, I know I've taken my liberty today, but I'm gonna ask you to say this declaration to everybody out loud. It's on the screen right now. Say it out loud with me, loud and strong. Ready, go. God, today, I choose to submit my whole life to you. I submit my mind to you. Give me the mind of Christ. Help me to only think on things that are true, excellent, pure, admirable, and honorable. Give me the power to think right. I submit my ears to you today that I would only let into my soul that which is consistent with your truth. Give me the wisdom to receive your truth and reject the enemy's lies. God, I submit my eyes to you that they only look on things that are pure. I submit my mouth to you that my words would be pleasing to you. I will build others up today and not tear down. I will speak faith and life throughout the day. I give you my heart today. God acknowledging that it is deceitful in all ways. So God, give me a pure heart. May my motives be pure to serve you and to bring glory to you in all that I do. God, I submit my hands to you that they would be used to build people, to build your church and to build your kingdom. God, I submit my feet to you that I would only go places that are pleasing to you. God, I submit every part of my body to you today. My whole life is yours. I receive your truth and I choose to speak your truth and continue to walk in your truth. I am saved, forgiven, filled with your spirit. Today, I choose to live for you. Give the Lord a great praise today. God is good. If you receive Christ today, 
There's a team of people out there to give you a brand new Bible. We want to celebrate with you, help you to serve God all the way. Don't forget next week, bring somebody with you. We love you all. Have a great day, everybody.